Think with me for a minute about who are the joy-filled people in your life. Who do you know that best characterizes the word joyful? As I was thinking about this during the week, I realized that one of the most joy-filled people I know is a colleague of mine named Mark. Mark is a pastor, but not a very typical pastor, which of course are the best kind of pastors because typical pastors, well, we can kind of be a drag, right? Mark and I are in a learning cohort together, and pretty much uh, every time that we meet, Mark shows up in baggy shorts, like gym shorts, and a t-shirt. Now, he has new gym shorts and a clean t-shirt for every day that we're together, but still, he pretty much wears the uniform of 13-year-old boys everywhere. (laughs) One morning, I sat down at a table with Mark as our session was beginning and noticed that he had brought his own breakfast as things were getting started. Apparently, he slept too late to enjoy the hotel breakfast buffet that I had eaten. Mark's breakfast was something like this, a bag of Cheez-Its, a bag of Doritos, some string cheese, and a giant bottle of Mountain Dew. (laughs) Apparently, the same 13-year-old boy who advises him on his wardrobe (laughs) is also his nutritionist. Yes. But here's the thing. Mark is so full of joy. He thinks everything is awesome. He just takes delight in everything going on around him. He is unrelentingly positive. Encouragement flows out of him like he's breathing. He's ready for any adventure. He's always ready to do something fun with people. He doesn't ever tear other people down. He does not speak words of judgment. He laughs so easily. He makes other people laugh easily. He smiles a lot, and he never takes himself too seriously. He is an incredibly hopeful human. He is joyful. How did he get that way? Well, I don't know enough about Mark's story to tell you. All I know is there are plenty of days when I need to be a little bit more like Mark and a little bit less like me. How do we get there? How do we get to a place of joyfulness? If we realize we need more joy in our lives, if we want to be people who others would call joy-filled, how do we get there? Is it just a matter of wishing that more good things would happen to us? Like, I could easily be more joyful if I would win the lottery, right? A few extra million bucks would take away so much stress and and just easily bring me more joy. Or maybe we tell ourselves, I could be filled with joy if I just had that next promotion and the respect that came with it. Or I could be more joyful if my grandkids could get it together and stop being such a source of worry in my life. If my family would shape up, I could easily be a more joyful person. Or maybe we tell ourselves, if, if I just finally got that boat or, or that house on that beach or, or I took that big vacation, then I could really relax and I would obviously be a more joyful person then. Now, any of those statements might be true. They might be. Certainly, it's not wrong to want your family to be stable and successful or, or to want a place to relax and recharge like a boat or a beach house. But it is also very possible that if you are somebody who is habitually grumpy, if you're habitually grumpy, full of worry, if you're always harping on others, if you're predicting worst-case scenarios, if you're someone who finds fault in others and situations, if you live a life that's lacking in joy right now, it is very possible that if you won the lottery, you would be a rich, grumpy person. And if you got that beach house, you would be grumpy every day sitting on the sand. 
And why is that? Because joy doesn't come from the outside. Joy doesn't come from the things around us or even our life circumstances. Deep joy, lasting joy comes from the inside. It's a matter of habit and characteristic that we cultivate on the inside that has the ability to shine through no matter what is happening in our outward circumstances. I remember talking to a friend once who had taken several mission trips to Haiti with different church groups. Now, Haiti is an inc- incredibly scary place to be right now, more so than when my friend went, but, but it has long been a place of intense poverty and a very hard place to live. And my friend said that on every single trip she went on, there was always a moment when her middle-class church members would say, Pastor, I just, I don't get it. How can these Haitians be so happy? They're always smiling, always laughing, always joking, always having a good time. They seem to be so full of joy. How can that be? They don't have anything. They are so poor. And my friend's response was, maybe now you can begin to see that it's not our stuff that makes a human being full of joy. Joy is not something that happens to us because of our outward circumstances. It's something we cultivate on the inside, which is why the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the church at Philippi, could command people, command the church to be people of joy. Rejoice, he says. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. It's a directive to us. Be people of joy. And his letter, in some ways, is all about how to make that happen. We've been reading it together for weeks now, seeing how the counsel of Paul and what he gives to the Philippians is about finding a pathway to joy in our lives. He obviously believes that joy is fundamental to following Jesus. Joy is fundamental to life in Jesus. And and we can see that actually from Jesus himself. Jesus said so himself in the Gospel of John, chapter 15. He says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you, so my joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete. Jesus says, I have said these things to you so my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Jesus wants for us complete joy. He wants our lives to be joyful and not just some temporary or momentary joy. He wants it to be robust and full and whole. So my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. God doesn't want us to live lives of drudgery or be stuck in suffering God doesn't want us to be overcome with anxiety or wallow in despair. God wants for us joy daily, continually, completely joy. And that starts with what we cultivate on the inside. Now, another place that we see Paul highlight joy and its importance is in the book of Galatians. Galatians is a very different kind of letter than the letter to the Philippians. In Galatians, Paul is not happy. He is writing to people that he is not proud of. He is angry, actually. He's worried about the community and what they're doing. And he wants to help them get on, back on track with Jesus. And so one of the things that he tells them that's so central to the letter is what life with Jesus actually looks like. He says, these are the kind of habits that you can see in a person who is living life in touch with the Holy Spirit. He says, these are the fruit of the Spirit. These are the ways you can know that God is working in someone's life, that someone's walking in harmony with God. This is what you're going to see. Okay, you're going to see love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and generosity and faithfulness. 
And as I thought about that list this week, I realized that there are all those things, really, we know, we look at that list, we know that they come from the inside, like love, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, self-control. We know that those are habits of the heart. Those are inward attitudes that show up on our, on our outward actions. But joy, somehow, we get tricked into thinking that joy comes from the outside in, that, that it's dependent on the people around us or the circumstances of our lives or how much we've finished on our to-do list. But But Paul puts joy right there between love and peace. And just like those things, it comes from our hearts. And just like those things, it can transcend our outward circumstances. Joy, it's not something that happens to us. It's something we choose. Something that comes from inside of us. We practice it. We grow in it. We cultivate it. Now, I don't mean to say that outward circumstances don't matter. Of course, they have an effect. If our life is very stressful, if we're suffering grief, if our mental health is in a rocky place, then we can't just say, today I choose joy and all that hard and bad stuff just goes away. It doesn't work like that. Sometimes, plenty of times, we need to get help to move our inward, inward attitude to a more joyful place. That's why God gave us the gift of therapy That's why God gave us the gift of medication when we need it. There are times and places that we need help, especially from trained professionals, to help us find balance and health and wholeness, and seeking them as part of living a faithful life. But no matter what has happened to you in your life, no matter what trauma you've suffered, no matter what grief you are carrying, no matter what failure you have endured, joy can be yours. Remember, Jesus said, I came so my joy may be in you. That is a promise for each and every one of us, given to us by our resurrected Savior. The road may be long to get there, but joy can always be ours. Paul himself says to us in this fourth chapter of Philippians, that joy is is not just a matter of everything going right in our lives. After telling us to rejoice, Paul says, I know how to be content in any circumstance, whether being full or hungry, Whether having plenty or being poor, I can endure all these things through the power of the one who gives me strength. Okay, so what is it Paul wants us to do? (laughs) After commanding us to rejoice, he says, let your gentleness be known to everyone. Now gentleness, it's it's an okay translation, but we might think of this word uh, also like reasonableness or mercifulness. It, It has this sense of a largeness of spirit. He's saying, being open, be be supportive of others. Then he says, pray about everything. And then he says, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's pleasing, whatever's commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. Think on these things. Put your attention on, on things that are uplifting, Put your energy into things that are positive. Focus your mind on what is good. That is part of how we open up a pathway for joy in our lives. Writer Annie Dillard said it like this, Be careful what you learn, for this is what you will know. So the question I think for us is, where is it that we're spending our time and our attention? What is it that we're focused on day in and day out? What kind of information are we consuming? Are they things that increase worry and anxiety and fear? 
Are, are we listening to people who encourage judgment or belittling others or trading gossip? Are we surrounding ourselves and in information sources that encourage conflict and drama? Or are we choosing to be around people and voices that focus on kindness and hopefulness? People that talk about what is good and holy and pure. Now, Paul wrote to people long ago to counsel them toward focusing on what is good and holy and pure. So obviously it's never been easy, but I think for us it is an extra challenge because we all carry around in our pockets these little devices that give us access to the whole world. And especially if we use social media, the algorithms, they care about one thing, one thing only. They care about what's popular, not about what's good or healthy or uplifting for us. Here's a small example. Earlier this week, I was scrolling through Facebook, and I saw an ad for a Kate Spade tote bag. Now, I have never owned a single Kate Spade thing in my life, but I thought this particular bag looked pretty cute. And the headline on the post claimed it was 75% off. So I wanted to see how much money it really was, so what do you think I did? I clicked on the link. I scrolled through some Kate Spade bags and I went on with my life. Now, every time I open up Facebook, what do you think I see? Ads for women's handbags. That is all I have seen for the last three days. Every third or fourth post in my newsfeed is from Kate Spade or Coach or Fossil or any of a dozen other handbag makers. They are the only ads I'm seeing. And you know what it does? It has me thinking about handbags. I see them and I think, oh, that one's cute. Or I could see carrying that one. Now, you guys, I don't need a handbag. But I want a handbag. <sighs> Facebook doesn't care about what I need. It doesn't care about my budget. It just wants to sell advertising. It does not care what it does to my spirit or my soul. It's getting so bad that that. Even people who don't take Paul seriously are worried about this. You might have seen that just this last week, the American Psychological Association has issued new guidelines about teens and the use of social media. They say that parents need to more closely monitor content on kids' feeds, especially so they can minimize content related to suicide, eating disorders, and racism. A recent survey of girls using social media said a third of them came across content related to suicide or eating disorders at least once a month. And studies have shown cyber hate and cyber bullying have a greater impact even than real life bullying. Now, monitoring your child's use of social media is so much easier said than done. I mean, it's not easy to monitor our own use of social media. One story I read suggested that families could have set periods during the day when no one uses social media. Right? Everybody puts their phones down together. That sounds hard, but helpful. The recommendations from the APA raise an important question for us. Is your use of social media bringing you joy? If so, what is it about it that brings you joy? I would encourage you to name that and write it down. And then ask yourself if your use of social media over the last day or last week was focused on those things that bring you joy about it. Or did you use it more frequently as a way just to distract yourself? Did you get sucked into mindless scrolling, just wasting time instead of doing something productive with your social media engagement? 
Did it help you learn something new? Did it help you interact with other people or have an interesting conversation? Or, or was it just a way to check out from the world for a moment? And if so, what did that do to your spirit? Now, it's not just Facebook or TikTok. The same exact thing can happen about our TV watching or our listening to the news. Do we just keep watching because we want to see what the next outrageous headline is or what someone else is going to say that's provocative about a, a, a news story we've already heard about a million times? It is so easy for us to get off track, all of us, to get sucked into the outrage machine and be entertained by the drama. But over time, that focusing of our attention and our energy in those places, it can block our joy. It can steal our joy. So Paul wants to remind us today that God wants to give us a joy-powered life. It is part of the gift of the Holy Spirit within us that we can be people of joy. And part of the way we get there, this is from the message translation, he says, summing it, up all, summing it all up, friends, I say to you, you'll do your best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. May we find spaces this week to cultivate joy in beautiful places with wonderful people, through acts of generosity and love. Thanks be to God. Amen.